Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Wow, that was amazing, guys. Who believes that sin has no hold on us because his grace holds us now? Who believes that? Isn't that an amazing message? The good news. The good news is is that God's grace has our life and it holds our life. Isn't that amazing? Paul and all the apostles gave their life for this good news. And really what happened is people fought against it because they couldn't believe that it was that easy and that good. Isn't that essentially why Jesus died on the cross? Because it was like, you can't do that. You can't say that. God's not that good. God's not that accepting. What about what we've got to do? What about this? What about that? And they're in their um, zeal, if you will, they lost sight of the goodness of God and sacrificed and killed the Son of God. And you think it'd stop there, but it didn't stop there. They went and did it to their disciples. And they went on and on and on and on. There's an enemy who hates the good news of the gospel. And our job as Christian people is to defend it, firstly, in our own hearts and minds and then outwardly. But who knows that it's quite a battle even within ourselves to fight for the good news that our sin is dead and grace holds us now. Sounds like a good idea, but it's hard sometimes, isn't it, to go there when in our lives we struggle with so much. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about feeding on God's faithfulness. So I've got a couple of questions to start. As people of faith, what does it look like to be faithful? Perfect. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. Not that. Do this this much. Not that much. What does it look like to be faithful? What does it look like to live in faith? Does it mean we never fear, never doubt? Is there a measure of faith? Is it that much? Is it this much? Jesus talks about it being about that much. And what about when we're failing or falling and we do not know how to get up and we do not know how to move forward? What do we do then? So what happens then? How do we deal with that? How do we deal with the tensions of life? What is it that we're expected to do in our faith in God? So we have this perception, and I'm not speaking for everybody here. Everybody's at different places with different revelations. But I know in my life um, now and and in the past and and probably in the future, um, I have this perception of God that he's only happy when... I'm doing the right thing and I'm full of faith and things are going well and all the rest of it. Well, we know that's not true, but there's this struggle that we find it easier to come to God when we're prayed up and fasted up and we've tithed and everything's going well and and we feel comfortable to come into God's presence or to, to think about God at those times because we've done everything. We're good. What about when we're not good? What about when we're struggling? What about when things aren't right? What about when prayers aren't getting answered and we're just not sure what to do next? What do we do uh, during those times? You know, this season in in a lot of our lives has been maybe some of the hardest we've been through. It's been, if anything, 
marks this season of time, the last, you know, two or three years since COVID and the rest is, if anything marks it, I'd say fear has been the marker of this season. You know, and whether or not we've succumbed to that fear or not, it's certainly out there. There's enough to worry about. And this season for Nat and I has been no different than you guys. It's been up and down. It's been a roller coaster, And it's been quite hard at times. And I've failed at times. What do you do? What do you do when that happens? God's faithfulness. So to be an understatement to say that God's love and faithfulness is central to our faith. It is our faith. The realisation of God's faithfulness towards us didn't even occur to us until our greatest moment of weakness. Listen to this scripture, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, grace doesn't even kick in until we're at our moment of weakness. We don't need grace until we need it. And at that time of salvation, if you're saved, you'll understand what I mean. We come to terms with just how much we need God. We come to terms, I know I did, I came to terms with just how far I'd fallen short, just how close I'd come to losing my family, just how come, how, how far I'd had gone from being a, a, a man of honour. And I realised that, wow, I've really buggered this up. And it was at that time that God was so good and so gracious to come and, and offer me the good news. It doesn't have to be like this. You can be better than this. And this is the good news message, not just from salvation, but all the way along our walk, all the way along our walk. We've got to remember that Grace is there for us when we're at our lowest. Grace is there for us when we've failed, when we're failing, when we're just not there, when we don't know what to do. God's grace is there for us. But that's what it takes sometimes to understand God's faithfulness is when we're so faithless. Now, this certainly isn't excusing us to be lazy and not to commit to the things of God, and we'll talk about that, but... The truth of the matter is, is we need God. We need him every day, not just for the day of salvation. We need him every single day. Our faithfulness towards him is us trusting in his faithfulness towards us. And our failure is just the beginning of God's grace. Who believes that? King David you guys, a lot of people here would, have, uh, would know the story of King David. And, and for those who, who don't, King David was in the Bible called a man after God's own heart. And yet what we know of David is that he was a murderer and an adulterer and he did some terrible things. But there was something on David's life that, that, David could, that God could say of David, hey, this is a man after my own heart in amongst all of that stuff. God said of him, he's a friend and he's a man after my own heart. And I've got a scripture and I want to unpack it a little bit. Let's go to it now. And it's Psalms 26, 1 to 3. And David says, I've trusted in the Lord and I have not folded. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. For I've always 
been mindful of your unfailing love and I've always lived in reliance on your faithfulness. Firstly, I've trusted in the Lord and I've not folded. Test me and try me, O Lord. When was the last time you said that? Test me, Lord. Try me. I've never failed you. Please. Goodness me. And especially coming from David, he was an adulterer and a murderer and amongst many other things. He had about, I don't know how many wives, it was 100 or more, I don't know. And David wasn't faultless. But listen to what it says. Listen to what it goes on to say. For I've always been mindful of your unfailing love and I've always lived in reliance on your faithfulness. You see, the thing is what David's saying here is he's, he, he's saying, in all my faults, I've always relied on your faithfulness. When I do the wrong thing, I remember your goodness. And it's your goodness and your faithfulness that I feed upon. And that's why God could say, you are a man after my own heart. Because not even his sin got in the way of God's relationship with him. Do you know what I mean? So the enemy wants to come and he wants to remind you of your failings. He wants to remind you of your, your faithlessness. He wants to tell you that you're not enough, that you're not doing enough. And you know what? That's an imperfect stage for you to go, I know. That's why I feed on God's faithfulness. That's why I feed on God's word. That's why I feed on his grace. That's why I don't rely on myself. Paul said, didn't he? He said, um, he said that I'll boast about my weaknesses because God's grace is made perfect in my weakness. He's not just saying that. What he's saying is, is that that's all we have. We're not called to be professional Christians. We're called to be dependent children. Isn't it Jesus that said that? He said, unless you're like a child, you won't even come to see the kingdom of God. He needs us dependent. He wants us dependent. That's where our strength lies. That's where David's strength lied. It wasn't in his actions because they were corrupt. It was in what he knew about God. I'll just read it one more time. For I've always been mindful of your unfailing love and I've always lived in reliance on your faithfulness. David just knew where to run. Do you know where to run? I want to ask you a question. Are you allowing things to keep you from God? You're not good enough. You didn't pray enough. You're not enough. You're only a painter. You're only a carpenter. You're only a builder. You're only a teacher. You're only a, you're only, you're only a. When God says that, that he dwells in us and that he's given us everything we need for life and godliness and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Is that what we believe? Because that's what gets us through. That's what gives us what we need in righteousness towards God, taking him at his word. So David understood that his faithfulness was fully dependent on his focus on God's faithfulness. And he knew his father to be ever loving and ever faithful. Like David, our faithfulness is complete trust, focus and dependence on God, even when we fail. And our righteousness comes through that faith. Listen to this scripture, Romans 3.22. But apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. 
that righteousness is giving through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. In short, this is what this is saying, that there is a righteousness for us that's, a, that's separate to, do, to, to the Lord, it's separate to what you do. There's a righteousness that we receive in Jesus Christ just because we said yes. And then Jesus turns around and he said, hey, remember, you didn't call me, I called you. You didn't choose me, I chose you. And then he gives us his righteousness. And it's in believing in that righteousness that we are made right, apart from the law, apart from what you do. We make mistakes. Things go wrong. Sometimes we're not sure about things. Sometimes we don't care about things. I'm not talking about lazy. I'm not talking about not caring. I'm not talking about not loving. But every single thing you're going to see through scriptures here that every single thing we have comes from God. I want to just say quickly that if this is just my opinion, there's too many opinions out there at the moment. You don't need another opinion. We're going to back it up in scripture today. We go through a lot of scriptures this morning. And what I want to do is encourage you, if anybody wants the notes, we'll send them out. But everything we talk about today is going to be backed up by Scripture and what he says. Because the question always comes up, this is too easy. This is, couldn't be that easy. Or what about? Question might be, oh, yeah, you're sure about that? What about? What about? That's fine. And you know what? It's a tension to manage. And it's never just God. You know, there's always a partnership and a cooperation. But the point of the matter is, is that every single thing that we receive, we receive by the grace of God. So we talked about Romans. It says, apart from the law, righteousness will be known. So let's ask the question. So is God faithful? Is God faithful? Exodus 34, 6 says, The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, this scripture has been, is born out of a time where the Israelites had been taken, um, what's the word, um, released, what is that word, saved from being in bondage to, to Egypt. And they knew of God, but they didn't know God. And they were walking around the wilderness. And this is where Moses was up um, receiving the Ten Commandments from, from God. And this is God exposing himself to Moses. So at, at this point, he could have said anything. This is what God wanted to say to his people. This is what God wanted his people to know about him. And out of all the things, this is what he says. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful, gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's what he wanted to teach his people. That's what he wanted his people to know about him. It was God proclaiming to Moses what he wanted Moses to know. He was training his people how to think about him. And who knows that God needed that faithfulness because if it wasn't this time God, uh, Moses was up the mountain, it was, it was the time before where he walked out and they'd already turned to other gods. You know, and there was a time where God said, that's it, you're gone. And yet he had this interaction with Moses where Moses said, no, 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 remember. Remember what you told me about yourself. Remember you said that you were faithful. 
Remember, you took these people. Don't take these people and and say you're going to save them only to turn around and leave them out in the wilderness to die. And God said, good. You remembered what I said about myself, that I'm faithful, that I'll forgive. What would have happened if Moses didn't do that? If Moses didn't know in the deepest part of himself that God was good, Moses represented people as you do. You represent your family. You represent your friends. We have to know God is good. We have to know God is faithful. Listen to this, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Isaiah 54.10, though mountains are shaken and the hills removed, yet my unfailing love and kindness for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 91.4, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. See, your protection is his faithfulness. Do we believe that today? Do you believe that when you fasted up, when you prayed up, when you've read the Bible, when you're coming to church? Do you believe it? What about when you're slipping and you're failing? And you're not sure what to do. And you've got a grievance with somebody and you just can't get over it. And you've got somebody that you're fighting with in your family. You've got a friend you can't forgive. Because we know we need to forgive, don't we? But sometimes it's hard. So what do we do? We turn to the goodness and the grace of God. Lamentations. 3, 23, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Not consumed by what? Not consumed by our own lust, our own hate, our own pride and others. You know, when we're saved, you know what we're saved from? We're saved from ourselves. Because if we got our own way, you know what would happen? We would destroy our lives. And we are saved and, we're, and the Bible says that he takes out the heart of stone and he puts in a heart of flesh and he gives us a new spirit. And the first thing that happens, what happens when we get that spirit? We start to feel love. We start to feel compassion. And we're not perfect, so we need to keep on just coming back like children might because it's not a one-ended deal. It's a cooperation and it's a relationship. And it's not just about being good because what happens when you're not? It's about being faithful in his faithfulness. Our faithfulness towards him is us trusting in his faithfulness towards us. So aren't these all Old Testament promises to Israel? How does this really compare to us? How does this really relate to us today? Have a listen to this, 2 Corinthians 1, 18 to 22. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, was by, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it's always been yes. Listen to this. For no matter how many promises God has made, 
They are yes in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to fulfill everything that God wanted to do. And every promise God ever made in the Old Testament or the New is yes, 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 yes in Jesus Christ. We said we're going to back this up in Scripture. But what about those times? I know, but that's just what it says. What, and, and the things you've experienced and the disappointments and the distance you feel from God at times. I know, but that's just what it says. When there's a gap, and there always will be, between what we read and what we understand and what we live out, there will be gaps, times where we're not sure, times it just doesn't make sense. But somebody's got to be right. And if we allow God to finish the work in us, you'll find that he's right. If you're willing to lay down our lives, the Bible says, if you're willing to wait and and say this to yourself, it's not over. Yeah, I might be in the middle of something and it might be contrary to what I see in the word, but it's not over. It's not over yet. And there are things that happen and I'm not underplaying that. But every promise that has ever been made by God is yes in Jesus Christ. Faith and faithfulness towards God is believing in his faithfulness towards you despite yourself. We cannot let ourselves get in the way. James 1, 3, 7 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, and this, is, this scripture is for those moments where, but I don't get it, Lord. And so I'm not trying to say that God is a genie and you, and you read the Bible and, and everything just unveils the way you want it and every prayer gets answered. I'm not saying that. But there's a scripture here that says, you know what, when you're not sure, Listen to what God says. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave tossed to the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should expect to receive nothing from God. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You know what the Bible is saying there? We have to make our mind up and plan our feet and decide that God is good and I don't have the answers and this looks contrary, but God, please give me wisdom. And you know what you've just done? You've just fed on his faithfulness. That's all is expected. What more could be asked? Because we don't have the answers. We're children. We're meant to be children. We're invited to be children. Because what this Bible, what the, the, contrary, um, the contrary view in this is that we could be over here and we could be like, yeah, but I prayed and it didn't come to pass. Oh, yeah, but you don't know what that person did to me. I'm not forgiving them. And we act like adults, <laughs> deciding for ourselves what we feel is good, what we feel is fit for the occasion. You know, this is what happened in the Garden of of. of in the Garden of Eden where God said, do not eat of the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What happened is that now that we get to partake in what we feel is good and what we feel is evil. Resting in God is going back to that point and going, well, I'm not going to trust in what I believe is good and what I believe is evil, what I believe is right and what I believe is wrong. I'm going to trust you. 
Isn't there a scripture that says, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight? It's not saying that we can't be wise. We're expected to be wise. We're expected to be um, shrewd. We're expected to understand and, and live in wisdom, but we're not expected to live in pride. And there's a time, and when there's a time where there's a, there's a gap between what we read and what we live and what we see and what we're asked for, God's asking us to come and ask for wisdom. He's asking us to plan our feet and say, no, 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 God is good. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand firm. It says when you've stood, stand firm. Keep going. Keep going in your faith. Don't give up because there's a war. There's an enemy that wars against you and he roams around like a, like a roaring lion seeking who will let him devour him. Did you know that we are in a time and a place like the world has always had where the enemy devours? The only defender in that a lot of times is what you believe about your God. Because remember that God says back in another scripture that we read, it says, do not let your heart be troubled and do not let yourself become afraid. So God doesn't want you to be devoured. He doesn't want me to be devoured. He doesn't want our children to be devoured. But he needs our help. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Come to me. Plant your feet. Know that I'm good. Know that I'm faithful. Know that I'll forgive you. When you don't feel forgiven, what are you going to do? You have to take God at his word. I'm forgiven. But it's been the 10th time, but I'm still forgiven. But, Lord, I've struggled with this forever. You couldn't possibly forgive me. Well, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Put, um, I think it was, it was Peter, wasn't it, who came to Jesus and said, how many times have we got to forgive? Two, three, seven, you know. And Jesus goes, 70 times seven. In other words, forever and ever. But what if Jesus at that stage said, six Six times. Somebody does the wrong thing after that, six times they're done. Well, then if you struggled in with sin or you were struggling with something, you'd be able to look at that word and go, oops, I'm in big trouble. But he didn't say that. So don't think that. It's not six. It's 70 times seven. It doesn't mean you can practice sin. If you practice sin, you're going to die. If you practice sin and you're representing your family, it's going to affect your family. If you want to hate somebody, the Bible's pretty clear that that's going to affect you and it's going to affect you, mainly you, and that will be a bad thing. So I'm not saying be lazy. What I'm saying is, is that if you are feeling guilt and condemnation in your life, stand firm and rely on his goodness because he said he'll forgive you and he said that he'll give you the grace to overcome, didn't he? We haven't got the right to feel badly about ourselves. We haven't got the right to think that we aren't all that we need to be in Christ Jesus because he said we are. And he hasn't got a plan B. He needs us. It affects our confidence in God, in the community, when we don't feel like we're living up to whatever standard it is. This is why God needs us to plan our feet because he says, I've already given you everything you need for life and godliness. My peace I give you, my peace I leave you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid because I do not give as the world gives. Do you know how the world gives? If you perform, I'm, I'm, I've got your back. You don't perform, I'm gone. 
I'll back you when you're financially successful. I'll back you when you're successful. I'll back you when you're the right height. I'll back you when you're the right colour. I'll back you when you're playing the right sport. But as soon as you do the wrong thing, I'm out of here. Jesus says, I don't, live, I don't do things like that. I don't give like the world gives. My peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world is. But do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid because in that very moment your peace will be taken from you and you'll be tempted to feel like it's me. But it's not me. We've just got to plant our feet and feed on his faithfulness. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please him, for whoever will draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Those who earnestly just come back and say, Oh, God. God. I've done it again. I'm here again. Lord God, I just can't get past this. That's feeding on God's faithfulness. Or that wrestle where you go, no, I'm not going to think like that about myself. No, he's not better than me. They're not better than me. I'm just as called as a painter as I'm just as called as a builder. I'm just as called as anything else than Pastor Larry down the road. All of those insecurities that the enemy tries to lay on since we're that high, when you go, no, I'm not going to think like that. God said that I'm perfectly, um, fearfully and wonderfully made. He said that he has a purpose for me before the beginning of time. And we wrestle these thoughts. The Bible says that we take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of Christ. Do you know what that means? It means when the enemy comes lying, you're the front line of defence. You're the ones who've got to say, no, no, I'm not thinking like that. I'm not going down that road. If I go down that road, I can't hardly expect to live in peace and joy and the full promises of God. I'm not going to believe like that. God, what do you say? And then God will say, good, faithful servant. You've just been faithful to me. Why? Because you trusted in my faithfulness. You trusted in my goodness. You trusted in my word. And when the enemy comes knocking and says, you're not enough, you can just start to go, yep, I'm not. I never have been and I never will be. I'm not called to be a professional Christian. I'm called to be a dependent child, depending on his word, depending on what he says about me, not what I feel about myself. Feelings, are they come and go. Feelings are abstract. They're important. They're not unnecessary, but they're just not foundational. So what do we do when we're faithful and unbelieving? Unfaithful, sorry, and unbelieving. Or we feel like we're unfaithful and unbelieving. Because there are moments in our life where we need to pull up the, the, you know, tighten up the laces or whatever they say. There is times where we need to get, get, get it right. We need to understand where we need to be and head there. So what about those times? Listen to this. Remain in me and also I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit um, by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what remaining in God means, don't you? Just standing your ground. I'm here, Lord. I don't feel all that faithful today. I don't feel that up to it, but I'm here. That's what remaining in God is. 
Listen to this one, 2 Peter 1 to 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. It's through our knowledge of Him that we partake of the goodness of God. We have to know it and then we have to practice it. Listen to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, 18 to 22 says, Now it is God who makes us both to stand in Christ. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God working in within you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So those times you don't have a desire for God. Lord God, I don't desire you at the moment. I pray, Father, that you would help me desire because you promised you would. That's faithfulness. And then He says that He'll give you His power And so what we're talking about is here, what do you do when you're not faithful? When you don't feel faithful, you ask for it. You be dependent. It's never begun with you. It never started with you. It's not going to end with you. It started with Him and it ends with Him. He's always the one empowering us. Jesus says this. We're going to finish on this Scripture. It's too easy. It's too easy to live like that. Surely there's more to it. Listen to this. This is from Jesus Himself. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened. Who here feels weary and burdened? Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Come and learn from me. For I'm gentle and I'm humble. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord, we thank You for Your promises over our life. We thank You for Your grace because without it, we don't start and we don't finish. But You have said, Lord God, that the work that You began, You will finish and You're faithful to finish. Father, we pray, Lord God, that You would remind us of your faithfulness so that we would feed on your faithfulness Lord that when the enemy comes or when even we're just trained ourselves to be negative towards ourselves that we'd we'd always go no take that thought captive and go to what you say about us because if we did that Lord we would have peace we would have rest and we would start to prosper in those things Lord God in our lives that have held us down we trust you today Lord we recommit our life to you But we're not going to run out of here with the next self-help plan. We're just going to stand our ground and we're going to come to you with whatever it is and we're going to ask for wisdom and we're going to trust and feed on your faithfulness. I thank you, Father, for your promises and your ways. 
pray a blessing over these people here today and their families. Pray a blessing over this city. Pray a blessing, Lord God. Your kingdom come in this time, in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.